Good morning, church. Uh, I'm excited to be standing here this morning. Um, Let's just open up in prayer. Father God, oh dear Jesus, Lord, we, uh, we thank you, Father. We thank you so much, Father, for your heart, God, your love, your faithfulness, God. We thank you for being holy, sovereign, completely other than who we are. Father, we thank you for your thoughts that are far above ours, Lord, and your ways that are far above our ways, Father. And we trust in you, Father, and the goodness of your will for us. Father, we pray, Lord, and we ask you to meet with us this morning as you have been meeting with us this entire time of worship, Father. We thank you and we praise you for that. We thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Father, we thank you for allowing us to see you this morning, Father, whether it be a stir in our spirit, Lord, or seeing you stir others, God. We praise you and give you glory for that. We thank you for that, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, as we work through the word this morning, Father, that your Holy Spirit meets with us, God. Father, speak to us in each and every one of our lives, Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is our great counselor, Lord, that always ministers to us, always comes and finds us, God, wherever we are, Father. And we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So Pastor Ed this morning really kind of hit on exactly uh, what I wanted to teach on this morning. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I spoke with him this week, and unfortunately I wasn't here last week when my son was sick. Um, but, you know, he told me, and I listened to the sermon about the, he spoke and he preached on the presence of God. And I said, oh man, that's what God has been really stirring in my heart too, something that I wanted to share. And so we talked about it and we're like, yes, amen. You know, this is, this is where we want to go. And, you know, and so Pastor Ed, he preached on how God's presence led the Israelites through the wilderness with a, a pillar of cloud during the day and then a pillar of fire. And so for me in, in my own life and what I, I really just wanted to share with everyone today is, you know, how do we find that presence of God because it's not always as obvious, right, as a pillar of fire or as a pillar of cloud. In the everyday, in the commonplace that Pastor had just talked about. You know, where is that presence of God when we're suffering, when we're struggling, through moments of depression, through feelings of loneliness, through, through things that aren't really easy for us to fully understand? Where is that presence? And so what I wanted to share this morning is, is a little bit of the tools that I use to find God, whether it be in the hardest time in the valley or even when you're standing on a mountaintop and God shows up big, right? When God shows up big when we're in worship and we can feel his presence, it's easy to find God. Amen? Amen. But when we walk out of these doors and life hits us in the face, whether it's Monday morning or Tuesday morning, whenever that reality check comes, it's a lot harder to pull up our bootstraps and march on. And so that's what I wanted to share with you guys this morning. You know, when I talk about, when we talk about the presence of God or finding the presence of God, it all starts with our prayer life, right? The scripture teaches us to pray without ceasing, to never stop praying. But it's one thing to say to do that, but how do we pray without ceasing, you know, when I'm working or when I'm trying to, trying to do things? And so, for me, that scripture that teaches us to pray without ceasing comes about our, our thought life, 
are daily meditations. You know, King David says, I meditate on your word day and night. Day and night I meditate. I meditate on the goodness of our Lord. Amen? And so it's that thought life. It's that prayer. It's that constant meditation. And so for me, in my own prayer life, which I wanted to share with you guys, is there are a few things that I do that help keep me grounded and find that presence of God wherever I am, wherever I am. Good time, bad time, it's not always easy, but you can still feel and and sense what God is doing. Amen? So in order to do that, I wanted to go through a few things. You know, when when finding God, I, I almost envision it like a spiritual map quest, right? Like, you know, you load up map quests, you get directions. How do I find God, right? From this place to this place, and that's how you find him. But I, I think about it in terms of what do I do when I'm lost? What's the first thing that you do when you're lost? Like, like literally, you're driving somewhere, and you're like, I have no idea where I am. Stop moving, right? Or, or you know, pretend, pretend we don't have cell phones. Let's, let's pretend we don't have cell phones, and we can find ourselves. And we don't have a map. And there's no one to ask for directions. <laughs> you panic. The first thing that, that I do when I'm lost, if I'm driving somewhere and I just kind of, I look for something familiar. I look for something that I recognize. Something that I'm like, oh yeah, the Dunkin' Donuts over there. Oh, okay, I know where I am, right? It's that landmark. It's that, it's that object that you look to that quickly orients where you are. Because once I was not familiar, I'm in the woods, I'm surrounded, Oh, okay, I see my Antinomi Tower. I know where I am, right? Speaking above the trees, this is where I stand. For us, that object is God's character. Amen? So God's character never changes. Scripture tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's always present. Undeniable never changes. And so when looking at God's character, there are a few attributes that I I constantly affirm in my spirit and in my heart. Even this morning, before I come up here and talk to you guys, there are things that I'm constantly telling my own spirit, my own mind, reminding myself of truths of God's character. That's the first landmark. That's an undeniable object. David says that, For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. He's a strong tower, giant tower. You can't miss it. No matter where you are, you can always see that strong tower. So the first attribute that I resonate, that I'm constantly affirming in my heart and in my mind and my spirit, and it has to be done daily, has to be done moment by moment at times, is that God is holy. Isaiah 6.3 It says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. You know, the scripture in Isaiah, it says holy three times. Not because it wasn't sure if you heard it the first or the second time, but because it wanted to emphasize the importance of God's holiness. His holiness. God is holy, and in that holiness, he's completely other. He's separate from you and I. We cannot fully understand or fathom the power of God. All right? 
He's the creator of the universe. If you think of the universe and what God has done, I mean, he is almighty, all-powerful, and sometimes we forget that. We forget how holy, how mighty, and how powerful our God is, and that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that he cannot do. And there's so often times we put things in our lives or there are moments or struggles or whatever it is or burdens or even fears or emotions and they become so large that we forget how mighty and how holy, how powerful our God is. His ways are not like ours. He is far above us. We cannot understand him fully. There is no way. The best way that we can understand him is through his son, Jesus Christ. But even then, our minds, our ways fall short of him, right? The second attribute that I'm constantly affirming in my heart is God's faithfulness. His faithfulness. You see, the character of God never, ever changes. You know, I talked about that strong tower, that undeniable landmark. He never changes. You know, throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see a story of reconciliation, of God trying to redeem and restore his people, right? The Israelites. Now, there are some stories in there that are questionable and we don't really understand within the culture and the context of us today. But even though culture has changed, the fashion is surely changed, right? The people are different. God's character is the exact same. His heart towards his people is the exact same. God desires us to be in reconciliation, to be in that relationship with him, and he goes at all costs to do so. He's faithful, even when we are not. So what that means for me, right, is that no matter where I'm at, I look to that tower. One, I know it's, it's, it's completely all, God is all-powerful, almighty. And two, he is always there. And he will never leave me, no, nor forsake me. And so you can count on him. You can rely on him. Wherever you are, God's presence, God's character is something that we can look to and surely rely on. Because in our shortcomings... God is faithful. Scripture tells us even when we were dead, right? Even when we were beyond hope, God sent his son and loved us. He didn't need us to be somewhat okay, somewhat acceptable, somewhat presentable. God reached out into the darkness and he pulled us into the light. The last attribute, surely not the last, but the third thing that I'm using and constantly affirming is just the fact that God is good. Psalms 136.1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Though our knowledge of him, through our knowledge of him who is called by his own glory and goodness. Romans 8.28 And we know that in all things... God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. The goodness of the Lord is one of, it's, I list it third, but it's almost like the most important thing for us. 
Because so often it is the very attribute that the enemy attacks. The enemy can't touch his holiness, right? The enemy can't touch his faithfulness, but he can plant seeds of doubt in our heart of God's goodness. Did God really say don't eat that apple? Right? Is this really what God plans for you to be laid off without a job? Is that really God's will for you? And so his goodness is that attribute that the enemy constantly attacks and barrages. And so it is our job, our discipline, to keep that in focus. Because the truth is that God is good. Amen? Amen. And so when our minds are fixed on our own abilities or sometimes even our own circumstances, we lose sight of his goodness. And in spite of it, excuse me, we lose sight of God's goodness. And so it are these things that we have to continually affirm in our heart. God is holy. He is sovereign. He is great, almighty, all-powerful. God is faithful. He never changes. He never moves. No matter where I am in life, no matter where I am on this earth, God is the same. And lastly, God is good. And though I may not see it or understand it today, I know and I can trust that his will for me is good and that all things work out for the good. Amen. So God's character we already established. Undeniable landmark, right? And that's the first thing that I need to do even in my prayer. If you, if you listen to me pray, there are things that I do. The first thing is I always... Boom, find that landmark, right? This is God. God, this is who you are. Second thing, this is who I am. So the first thing I need to do is affirm who God is. And then the second thing I need to understand who I am. You know, I was thinking about this in aspect of giving directions. You know, if I, if I gave you directions how to get to Frosty Freeze, right? We love Frosty Freeze, right, Ed? Yeah. <laughs> Every time we drive by, my son, like, sees people, goes, Dad, it's open. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, he knows my weak spot because then I just want to pull in. Um, you know, it's one thing if I give you directions from Frosty Freeze coming from Portsmouth, right? But it's another thing if I tell you how to get to Frosty Freeze from the Fifth War, right? So it's important to understand where you are and who you are. Because if we think we're in Portsmouth, but really we're in the Fifth Ward, it's a lot harder to get the Frosty Freeze if you're not really looking at the right directions. And so understanding where you are, right, just like when you pull up the maps on your phone with that little blue dot, beep, beep, is vital because there's no other way to get to where you want to go without really having a clear understanding of who you are. And so affirming the character of God is just that first part of finding his presence in our lives. And that next part is knowing who we are and in relation to him, where he is. I'm going to read through some scriptures. And I, I almost don't even want to give the scripture reference because Paul just lays it out perfectly. But I will, so you know where to find them. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, and behold, the new has come. Romans 8.1 there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So often, our biggest hindrance in finding God's presence is because we are conflicted with our identity and who we are. You know, I I see two spectrums of that in believers. You know, on one side, you have a spectrum that the believer is, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, right? And then on the other side, you have the believer that's like, look at me, hey, you know? And God is, is somewhere in the middle. We're somewhere in the middle, you know? What, what I always look at is this battle of godly humility and insecurity. And so often as believers, we struggle with what that really looks like. And we pretend to put on this godly humility, but really we're, exuber- we're projecting insecurity because we don't know who we are, but we're pretending to be humble, right? But the scriptures tell us to come boldly boldly because of who we are. And there's a strength and a power behind our identity. I am a son of God. I am adopted by his grace. His blood was shed for me. Now, that's not something I take lightly or I take for granted, but it is something that we must behold and empower, be empowered by, because that was Christ's charge for us, the body, We are not intended to be meek and mild, but to be bold and powerful. Amen? Amen. The truth of our identity is that we were purchased by the blood of Christ and that we were adopted by His grace and mercy to live a life and receive an inheritance. And this is something that can't be earned. It's not by merit. But we are made perfect through Jesus Christ. You know, I've shared this, this vision before, and I'll share it again because it's something that I, I always go back to. But, you know, I see people struggle with their own insecurities, and every time we doubt the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, every time we say, oh, man, you know, I'm just, I'm not, you know, I don't know. Every time we wrestle and we struggle with that, we, it's like, like his sacrifice wasn't good enough. It wasn't. Like, it wasn't final. And so, at some point as believers, we need to move on and say we are new creation. Go through that scriptures again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Those are scriptures that we have to continually affirm in our heart and our spirit because it's the first thing the enemy will attack. He'll attack the goodness of God, but he'll barrage your identity. And until you solidify who you are in Christ and your identity in him, game over. You've got nothing against him. 
you don't stand a chance. In Colossians 2, verses 6 through 7, it says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You know, I, I talked about that insecurity versus godly humility. The difference is gratitude. It's that spirit of thanksgiving. You know, how can you be fully confident yet fully humble? Gratefulness. Every single day. You know, uh, my, my wife's holding my eight-month-old daughter right there. Baby. Huh? What? Weeks. Oh, yeah, eight weeks. Yes. <laughs> yes yeah, wait, what? Time flies. Woo, Jesus. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, like, the best moments I have, like, lately with her, is, you know, I'll be outside, and I, I like to wear her. I like to, like, put a little, like, the first time I put on the strap, my son goes, Daddy, you're not Mommy. I'm like, I know. But I, I love holding her. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a little squishy, so she loves it, too. You know, but when I have her like that, and a lot of you may or may not know our story before she came, but, you know, and I'm outside in the sun pushing my son on the swing with her. And every time I do that, I, like, blows me away blows me away and I like <laughs> so silly but I'm so grateful I'm so grateful and it's those moments that I like treasure you know and I know that I can find the presence of God in just being a good dad you know and he always shows up powerful when I'm doing that you know and and that's just one example but right now, it's, it's, it's like the biggest thing in my life, obviously. And it's the thing that I hold as number one. And so finding God in those moments, you know, it's, I'm grateful, very grateful. And I know it's because of how God sees me. I know it's because of his, who he is, his character, his faithfulness, and that he has favor on me because I'm his child, his son. And life hasn't been easy you know, our daughter was two and a half years in the making, miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. And so even with that, you know, going through fertility and, and all these things and, and coming to a place where we're like, okay, we give up. You know, I know it's two and a half years. It's not a lifetime as, as you know, some others struggle with. But for us, it, it was, and it was very hard. And so even in that Sorry, I'm kind of losing track, but gratitude. What does godly humility look like? It's gratefulness. It's not taking for granted what Christ has done for you or where you are in life. It's being thankful with his sacrifice and relishing in his presence through gratefulness. Wherever you are. Because on the flip side, as I'm experiencing those joys, I just got laid off a few months ago. But I know that God is in control of my life. And I can even then find the joy, find his presence in what he is doing because I know that he is in control. Didn't mean to just throw that bomb out there, but yeah, I got laid off, sorry. Uh, so what is God doing? How do we find God's presence in our lives? So how do we use that to practice daily? God's character 
It never moves. It never changes. It is who he is. And we can count on him. And secondly, where we are. It gives us a clearer picture of how to get to Frosty Freeze. Are you in Portsmouth or are you in the Fifth Ward? Where you are is important to understand where we can find God. But what do you do with that? Right? So you know who God is. You know where you are. Now what? (laughs) What does this presence look like? How do we find him? You know, I imagine, I, I imagine something as simple as someone turning on a light. So we've been in a room. It's dark. We don't have a clear understanding of where he is and where we are. And so it's like looking for something in a dark room, right? And so while you're searching for something in a dark room, you're just kind of ransacking the place. You're, you're pulling things out. And it's that moment when we have that understanding in our lives, who God is and who we are, somebody turns the light on. So now you see, this is my life. I just made a mess because I was looking for something. Heart seeks eternity, but it cannot find it, right? So we're looking, we're constantly searching. So now you're in a room, someone turned on the light, and there's just a bunch of things everywhere. So what do you do? You start picking things up. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, God has called you to that exact place. Your room might be a mess. I mean, I'm talking like hasn't been cleaned or touched like hoarders, right? Like you ever watch hoarders? That might be your life. That might very be where you are. Others' rooms, other seasons, other people in different seasons might look differently. And that's okay. Because now God has turned the light. He has illuminated your heart of where you are and where he is, and he wants you to start there. Start in that room, that place. God has called you to this exact moment, this exact place, not physically, in your life right now. Your emotional state, your mental state, whatever your drama is, God has called you there. Now what are you going to do with it? How do you find his presence in that messy room? Only God can tell you that. But I have a good feeling that once you know who his character is and what God's attributes are, and you know who you are and where you stand in relation to him, that God will make it very clear to you what to do. And it might be as simple as just starting to pick up the pieces, right? Start picking up the books, putting it back in the bookshelf. Maybe take out the trash. But God leads us step by step in every single moment of our lives. And that's why God is so good. Because we may not understand the importance of Miyagi saying wax on, wax off. But really, God's teaching us karate. Okay? And so we may not get it right away, but it's okay. Because God has called you in that place. So often we think, you know, accept God. Woo! You know, I'm going to go to, I'm just going to burn this house down and move to another house. God wants you to start where you are, wherever you are, okay? We don't just get to call in the renovation people, and they come, you never see those TV shows, the home improvement shows, like, hey, here's your new house. You're like, yeah, that was easy. I just went on vacation. I came back, a new house. No, sometimes, maybe, sometimes, not all the time. A lot of times, you have to pick up a hammer and start going to work. Psalms 143.10, it says, Teach me to do your will. 
For you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level, level ground. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. It says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. God's presence in our life. What does it look like? How do you put a finger on it? Peace. Peace in the storm. Peace when your life is falling apart. Peace when you're laid off and you're not sure what God is doing or what's coming next. Peace when those bills keep coming in and you're like, oh no. Peace when your closest relative passes away and you're left to pick up the pieces. Peace. That's the presence of God in everyday life. How do you find his peace when you're at work? How do you find his peace when you're in school? Wherever you are, where is his peace? First step, look for God's character. God, you're holy, you're sovereign, you're all-powerful. I know you're here, you're present. You're faithful. You'll never let me down. I can count on you. You never change. You're good. I know you're good. I don't get it. But I know you're good. (laughs) Who I am. I'm your son. I was purchased with a high cost. God himself came down and died for you. Now what do I do? Let's pray. Father God, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. <laughs> thank you, we thank you, God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. Uh, Father, we just thank you for always being there, never leaving us, never forsaking us. Father, I, I'm just so grateful for your spirit, Lord, God. Your spirit not only leads us and guides us, Father, but it meets us wherever we're at. No matter what room we're standing in, God, what the condition is of our lives, whatever the mess may be, Father, you meet us there. And your desire is for us, Lord, to teach us, to guide us, to help us, to rescue us, Lord. And so I pray today, God, that your spirit reveals to us more of who you are. God, we cannot fully fathom or comprehend your heart, God, or your will for our lives. But we ask for your revelation today, Lord, to make it clear, to make it known what that next step might be. Whether it's a phone call to reach out to a loved one that has been on our hearts, but we haven't. (laughs) Whether it's uh, saying sorry to someone at work that we may or may not have offended. (laughs) God, I pray that you make it clear to us what that is. 
Father, we thank you for just the price that you paid to allow us to be free, to gather here this morning, Lord, to be called your children, God. Father, may we never take that lightly. We pray these things and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.